G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Time now for our Saturday session Legends segment. I think legendary here thinks Somerset Retirement Villages as we catch up with a, an athlete, a coach, team... Uh, to reflect on not only sporting careers, but uh, moments in time, seasons. Uh, this one we are going to, I don't know how we describe this, uh, because a story career um, across many, many a year, uh, both as a competitor and a, a brilliant broadcaster as well. Uh, yachtsman, sailor and broadcaster Peter Lester is a name familiar to many of us, and we're utterly delighted to welcome into the show. Peter, thanks so much for dropping by. Do we find you well? Great to have you on the show, yeah, Peter. Oh, thanks, guys. No, no, yeah, it's good. What a beautiful morning. Just stunning out there after a crap day yesterday. <laughs> Where are you these days? I'm in Auckland. Uh, out, what we a... live out in Glendower, out, out in the eastern suburbs. Yeah, it's great out here. Oh, well, I'm glad you're having a good day, Peter. Um, I ran into thunder, lightning, and raindrops the size of Daniel McCarty coming down outside the TAB uh, studio here. Uh, Peter, I, w- I want to I kick things off. Uh, um, uh, you know, uh, looking at your career and your life journey, it's fascinating. You, you've done everything. You know, you've been a high-performance manager. You've been a commentator You've been a skipper. Um, you've been a coach. Of all those those roles that you've done, which one have you enjoyed the most? Oh, mate, when you've got a long CV, it just means you're bloody old and probably at the end of your career. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well, for me, yeah, you know, I, I was born in, in Littleton, down in Christchurch, and um, I was really fortunate in those early years in some ways to get a hell of a lot, because my mum and dad had nothing. They, they were just normal Kiwi folk. Uh, and sailing is quite an expensive sport because of the travel, yes. as, as you got, as you know, and, and because of the equipment. Um, and I was so lucky in Christchurch and in Littleton that the community at that time helped me out enormously. And, and if it hadn't have been for, for that in those very informative years, I, I would never, ever have dreamt of achieving what I, what, what I was lucky enough to do. And then and in terms of achievements, I sort of, I sort of think, you know, I, I was a, a handy enough yachtsman, but not, not in the league of the likes of Peter Burling or, or Russell Coots. But the stuff I did win came at the right time, and it meant that it gave me a, a bit of a foot up into the, into the next level. So I, I was really lucky. Probably, look, the one I look back on, obviously if I won a Worlds when I was quite young. I was 21 in Auckland, uh, sailing a dinghy called an OK Dinghy. And and in many ways, that just opened up so many doors for me because I, I was still living in Christchurch. I, I came to Auckland for six months to train for that one. I had actually got second in the world two years before in Helsinki. So I was there or thereabouts. But um, I, I was just so lucky. I came to Auckland, met some really, really top people in terms of the industry that surrounds the yachting industry, boat builders, sail makers. Um, and that meant that the hardware that I had got better when I got to Auckland because, you know, I could I could just tap into people that knew more than a hell of a lot more than I did in terms of making the boat go faster. And and as it turned out, the week 
of the the regatta. It, it it suited me. It's a bit like today actually. It was sort of because I'm not a big guy, but it was light mm. to moderate, and I and I was fast in those conditions off Takapuna. Won the first three races, then ha- hung on like hell <laughs> to the end of the regatta and and, and just snitched it. Mm. So. That really set me on a on a on a path then of of opportunity. You describe you're a product of your community initially. Can you just elaborate on that? What what links did they go to really give you a huge leg up? And it's you know it's a credit to you. You, you sort of thank them initially off the bat. Um, well, Littleton's a small place. Uh, you know, little little port town of of, of Christchurch. Um, and my dad was actually on the waterfront. He was a wharfie. And, and I can remember I, I qualified to go to Bermuda, and I must have been only 18, 19, uh, for the very first laser world. So the laser's the class they use at the Olympics for um, single-handed sailing. And, and I can remember going back to my employer at that time, and I was actually a clothing cadet at Lane Walker Rudkin. Quite a lot of Cantabrians, you know, of that era um, would go on these cadetships with, with, you know, with business. So I was there, and I remember coming back from Auckland after getting second in this trial, and, and I was so happy, you know, I've got an opportunity, I'm going to go to Bermuda to, for this world champs. And they, the, the guys at Lane Walker Road could say, well, actually, we're not going to give you leave. And I remember coming home, and I was absolutely de- <laughs> I was absolutely devastated. I thought, oh, you know, this is this is my this is what I want to do, and the, and my dad said to me, well, you know, what's the issue? You know, I said, well, it's funding, it's opportunity, time to train, and um, then a couple of days later, I got a I got a call from the the president of the Littleton Watersiders Union. He said, um, come down and have a chat. Now, Littleton is a closed community. You know, not a hell of a lot of young young sportsmen live in Littleton at that time. I mean, later on, you had the Bashits and the Majors, of course, who, who were fabulous rugby players. So I went down to see this guy, and he said, well, would you, would you, um, you know, contemplate become joining the union? And I said, no, <laughs> not interested. I, I, you know, I, I like where I am. And he said, but if you come here, you know, we'll help you out, and um, we'll give you some funding, and you can have all the time you like to go training. And and I remember he said, "Come to a union meeting." So I went to this union, and I'm not a unionist, I've got to say. I went to, and and they talked, you know, talked the talk, and there were buckets at the at the hall at the entrance to the hallway, um, and and I knew nothing. And and at the end of it, the these the guys were going out at that time. There were there were like 1,400 men on the Littleton waterfront, um, and they all were putting money in these buckets. I thought, what the hell is going on here? And, and at the end of it, the little announcement was made, thanks for your contribution, and that will help um, Gordon Lester's son, Peter, go to Bermuda. And, and that was how it all started. And, and to this day, it was, that, it was that generosity that gave me such a leg up, because honestly, we, we did not have um, a hell of a lot of wealth in our family. And then the second one, uh, later on, just before I moved to Auckland, um, I was lucky enough to, to hook up through sailing again with a, a gentleman in Christchurch called uh, Cecil C.S. Stevens, and he owned a meat uh, processing plant in, in Christchurch called Ashley Meats, and my boats were called Ashley Meats. And, and essentially, I got on really well with him. He was really, and I thought, and, and he was, a, a wealthy man. I was not. And he supported me like for the next 10 years just with air tickets if I needed a new sail or if I needed something. 
he helped me out, and um, that's sort of how it all happened. And, and from there, that's you know, fantastic. got up here, uh, got some opportunities, and you live your dream, don't you? Peter, that's such an awesome, uh, inspiring story, I think, for, for anyone that's in their community that wants to help sports stars, you know, with, with a dream. Uh, you, you Obviously, you got support from the community, but you couldn't have got as far um, as you have in your career if you weren't passionate about it. Who's someone that you look back at um, early on in your career um, where you think, wow, that person really instilled the passion of, of sailing into me, which is, is still with you now? I can hear it in your voice. Um, again, I go back to those informative years in Christchurch and, and um, the Manda family. Peter Manda was our first Olympic gold yep. medalist for sailing yep. in, in Melbourne in about 56. And, and they certainly were role models. There was a guy also uh, who went to the Olympics in uh, Munich, uh, Brett Desir, who who allowed me to train with him on the water. He was a legend. I was just a kid. Um, they had a huge influence. And I, I think I touched, when I moved to Auckland, and I, I, I could tap into the industry up here. There was a, a guy who was a boat builder called Tim Gurr, who actually built Peter Blake's boats. Uh, and, and Tim just tweaked my boat for me, you know, like would build me a rudder or build me a centreboard or tell me to get off my ass and train harder, and, <laughs> you know, and, and, and invite me down to the Monda there for a couple of quiet ones if we had a good day on the water. And, and Tim certainly, hard, you know, he had, a, he had an influence as well. But there you go, you know, you sort of think who, who really made a difference in, in terms of my sporting career. Um, we're lucky in New Zealand, a bit like Cricket Grant, you know, we're lucky that we have this standard that you've got to reach if you want to get to the next level, and that is the expectation. And you see it with America's Cup now. That, you know, there's no pissing around. You get out there and you do the work and leave your ego at the door and just get on with business. And, and when I moved to Auckland, that was the difference because when you're not living up here doing sailing, you think, oh, those guys, you know, how can I ever get to that level? When you're here and you live and breathe it, if that's what you want to do, you know, the, the step up the ladder doesn't seem so steep. And, um, yeah, the, the, those, uh, you know, it's pretty hard pulling out individuals, but certainly they were people that made a big, had a big impact on me. Well, your own talent, your own work uh, rates um, also helped out, you know, OK, World Champions, as we t- touched on, you've, be part of, you know, successful Admirals Cups, one-ton Cups. I've got to ask about the 1988 uh, America's Cup Challenge. Grant Elliott um, wasn't really aware what happened here, and he was uh, quite dumbfounded when I, I told him we rocked up with a 120-foot monohull, and the guys from San Diego rocked up in a catamaran. Um, <laughs> you know, what are your memories of the Big Boat Challenge in 88? It's, it's quite extraordinary to us outsiders. What was it like oh, to be yeah. in, in on the middle? Brilliant. Absolutely. I loved every moment of it, and um, I, I, again, that came about for me on the back. We'd won the Admirals Cup uh, in what '87 in in, uh, in in the UK. Came back, Fade, Sir Michael Fade decided they were going to have a whack at a Dita Gift Challenge, and I got asked to be part of the crew. and And I was lucky enough to get the nod to be the tactician on the boat, which was an easy job against the cat. But that's another story. <laughs> but the the byproduct of that approach, I mean. Face value the project, you were never going to win. You were never, ever going to beat a multi-hull in, in that mono-hull. But what it did do, it pushed the technology. And, and yeah. that boat, it had its issues, but it set New Zealand up in terms of what happened 10 years later in terms of how do you build a boat out of exotic materials that won't 
fall apart? How do you build sails? How do you build battens for the sail? Carbon fibre masks, the use of carbon fibre and technology. And and really the, the, the big benefit really of that investment was, you know, 1995 and 2000. So, and, and that really set up that, sort of legacy of, of intellectual knowledge that, that the, certainly in the America's Cup that New Zealand gained at that time. But, you know, the, the, big, the big reminder to me, and, and in fact, we guys that were on the crew of that thing, we're mates for life. And, and to this yeah. day, you know, I look, even down at Team New Zealand now, you've got the Salthouse brothers. They, they were on that boat. Grant Lorette's was on the boat. So, it, and when we get together and, you know, socialise, we still talk about living in Coronado in San Diego, going to Buller's Bar and causing havoc. And Jim Blair was our trainer. You know, he used to be with Auckland Rugby and, and some of the antics. Because we lived there for six months. It was a community. Mates for life. I, I loved every moment Brilliant. of the Big Boat Challenge. Not so much the court case and all the America's Cup stuff, which is normal with the Cup. But it was more lifestyle and what you were dreaming about and, and you know and, and living in San Diego was God not not all bad. <laughs> yeah, you did quite well out of it, didn't you? Fantastic stuff. Uh, Peter, in in, um, in the cricket change room, uh, players will actually name their bats and sometimes they number them. Um, you obviously named boats, so you had propaganda in eighty seven and then you had Pinter in the one ton cup and name a couple, yeah. Uh, did you did you have a favourite boat that you think, wow, that was a, yeah, you know, we that was a beauty propaganda was great. Great right name. Were you yeah. emotionally tied to any boat over another, over others? No, not really. Um, you know, the boat's just a tool, really. And, and you, you know, they come out of the boat shed looking like a piece of furniture and your role is to bust it and beat it up and make it fast. <laughs> Probably uh-huh. when, you know, you think of, the boat I, that I first won with, that was a very simple, low-technology boat. Probably out of the three, you know, the dinghy and Propaganda and, and Pinta, probably Propaganda, she, that boat was unbel- in that time, was incre- an incredible boat. It was the best mm. kill boat in the world at that time. It was voted boat of the year. And certainly once we got to the UK, and we had a hell of a crew on there, um, with because it was right on the back of um, KZ7 and Fremantle, and and a lot of the learnings from Fremantle more about team discipline to be honest, but also how to develop a tool came out of Fremantle straight into the propaganda campaign and the trials here in Auckland. And once we got to England, um, that thing was quick. If the breeze was on at any time, we're above about uh, nine or ten knots. We we were off. And there was quite a bit of um, quite a bit of banter between the Kiwis, Aussies, and, and the Poms, obviously, um, because it, it was in you know it's in cows, it's it's their patch if you're sailing against the English. So to actually be able to go out there and foot it with them and 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 beat them was the first time ever for New Zealand. And prop- propaganda was special. Peter Lester is our Saturday session legend. Let's talk about your broadcasting career. You've done a brilliant job over a generation now. Um, taking a sport that can be very um, complicated, um, you know, full of terminology. The average person might not uh, get their head around. Massive advancements in technology too. 
But the first day, how did the opportunity come about, right? It was during America's Cup. Did it catch you by surprise? Pure luck. Again, you know, I was Johnny on the spot, right place, right time. It actually happened in 92 in San Diego. I was in San Diego at that time working for the Spanish. I was their coach. Um, and they got eliminated at the quarterfinal stage of the Louis Vuitton Cup. And um, Dennis Harvey, who was the producer for, te- television New Ze- for the Television New Zealand coverage, um, we were knocked out. I was, co- I was about to come home. And he said, oh, you know, would you like to just come and be, um, do expert commentary, you know, do the ho- with, with the coverage back to New Zealand? Well, it took me about 30 seconds to make a decision on that. And I said, oh, yeah, that would be cool. I hope I, can, you know, hope, I could, hope I could string it together. It could be a real hands up. But anyway, um, and, and I was, again, fortunate at that time. Got, got into the role. Greg Clark, the Aussie, you know, who, who did the rugby calls here. He's moved yes. back to Australia now. Greg was the presenter. He was the, the, the front man. And we're mates. We're still mates. And, and certainly yeah. when there's a rugby game on, there's plenty of banter goes on on my, uh, <laughs> on my text machine from, from Clarkey. But Greg was just great with me, you know, in terms of asking the right question, just drawing out, trying to draw out the technical side and, and try and sort of put it into language that, you know, makes sense and, and try and so that normal people can understand the terminologies. Because you're right, it is a, there is a lot of jargon technology and and Tom Schnackenberg, who um, who was a at still is a legend of our sport in terms of an intellect. Tom was the other commentator, so that was the first time. And you know I've done every America's Cup since. Just just again, being you know able to be available to do it. And I'm I'm very passionate about the America's Cup. I love it. I love what it stands for. I love the drama. Never yep. get upset. Don't, don't be offended by the America's Cup because you know when the racing starts, it'll rate its socks off in New Zealand, even the next one in Barcelona will, because of the intrigue and because we're bloody good at it as well. And we have a, you know, I've touched, touched on the industry. The New Zealand performance marine industry is fantastic. And their contribution way back in 92 was significant. And, and even now, you know, as we sit as we sit here today, I mean, Team New Zealand are making big decisions about their their final big decisions on their boat that'll that'll race, um, you know, in two years' time. And I, I love that te- the technology side. Um, where are you heading? What are you going to do? The decisions that have been made right here this week probably will determine whether New Zealand are successful or not in two years' time. And I love that. I love the intrigue of you know, putting putting the designers and the sailors under heat to come up with something special. Well, Peter, I'm I'm listening to the destinations that you go to as a sailor, and I'm very jealous. I think I chose the wrong sport. Yeah, you might. Uh, with <laughs> some of the destinations, <laughs> you, you might have. Or where you went to. But what, what I want to ask you, and what, what what intrigues me is, you know, you've been a high performance manager, you've been a coach uh, of some teams. What goes into a, a really great uh, sailing team? What are the what are the secret recipes you reckon? Uh, probably no different to, to a cricket team, to be honest. Just belief, and and you know work hard for your mates. Leave your ego and your you know at the door. If if like if you can't be a team player, um, don't pull out individuals. You if, again, if you look at the big teams, Admirals Cup. 
uh, America's Cup especially. I mean, obviously you have your rock stars, you you have your you know your Cootses and your Peter Burlings, but you will never hear Dalton talk about too much the individuals. It's about the team. It's about the the you know the person cooking the meals at lunch times is as as important as the tactician, the guys that are doing that beautiful engineering or 3D printing for the boat are as important as the, as the, the trimmers on board. Uh, so what, a modern America's Cup team, you're going to end up with about 150 people. If any, any group of that group of that team of 150 screw up, make a bad call, it's going to affect the team and, and reduce your chances of winning. And the, the, the other thing that I think sailing does really well and, and it's come out through debriefs obviously is the the necessity to keep developing through the regatta even if it's the finals of the america's cup introducing new technologies new new systems new beliefs new ways of doing things and even the last america's cup here you know team new zealand were still putting little tweaks and and doing little technical pieces on and off the water right up to that last race. And, and unless you have the capacity within your team to do that, you're probably not going to be successful. Peter Lester, one last one from me. Um, you, your expert commentator, I'm, I'm guessing, uh, let's go, PJ's alongside you. Uh, you get to commentate your dream sailing team. I, I want you to put you on the spot. Sailors across any nation over the last generation or so that you've been around, who, who's at the helm, who's your tactician, from a grinder, who, like, go on, give us some names on your dream team. Um, you might oh, ruin some friendships team. here, but that, they'll make good radio. <laughs> I reckon, um, you know, I, I yeah, I, that's a hard one. I think Peter Burling, in terms of his helming that we have here now, helming and intellect, because he, he, he you know, he's, he's a sportsman, but also he's a, essentially an engineer, a very bright guy. I think... As a helmsman, once you get off the start line, I think Burling's hard to beat. In terms of, um, in terms of, you know, uh, the what can I, the sledging, the the intrigue on the water, <laughs> love them or yeah. hate them, Russell Coots is hard to beat. Russell Coots being yes. honestly the Brit. I mean, man, they 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 are at another level. But I still think Burling, in terms of, when you look at raw talent and then the ability to translate that into a foiling boat. The, the, where, why I hesitate is the sport's gone through this revolution from dinosaurs like I sailed to these foiling boats. And, and you look at the sport around the waterfront or around the world of um, these young people sailing boats that get up on foils and go three times as fast as what I, I could have ever, ever envisaged. Different skill set. Then, then you look at, you, you know, you look at um, someone like Jochen Schumann, the, the East German that came out of East Germany and won, uh, you know, Finn Gold Cup and, and Olympic gold medal in 76 in Montreal. That was a hell of a cheat. You think of 1976 coming out of East Germany, going to Canada to your first Olympics and winning a gold medal. A hell of a achievement by, by a super person, by the way. You have to look at Dennis Connor. I mean, love him or hate him, love him or hate him, you, you know, what Connor achieved in terms of winning, losing the America's Cup, winning it again and then losing it, 
phenomenal. Um, yeah. In terms of Team Bob, I think it's hard to look hard to look past Ernesto Bertarelli. You know, the the Swiss who won the cup here. Whether you like what happened here in what 2004, Bertarelli is 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 a team boss to be feared because he's he's bloody good at it. You know, and and. I put Grant Dalton up there as well. In terms of guys that make the boat go fast, trimmers, um, Kevin Shoebridge, who's you know the COO at, at Team New Zealand, in his time, he sailed on propaganda with a brilliant trimmer. Very quiet, very calculated, sailmaker by trade, so he knew what he was looking for in terms of sail shapes. I, I, I always had Shuby, um right up there. In terms of Bowman, um, that... Now, not so much now because you don't have them so much, but in the older America's Cup boats, the person on the bow of the boat called you on the start line, um, had to do all the mechanical functions, the spinnakers up and down and jibs up and down. There was a guy called Alan Smith, Kiwi, um, who now lives in Perth. Just an absolute machine in great condition, good multi-sporter. And, and, a, and, a, and a top bloke. I, I, I would put Smithy up there. A lot of Kiwis in there. Uh, John Bertram, the Australian, obviously, for you know winning the America's Cup in 83 off, off Dennis in, in um, Newport, Rhode Island, uh, with Australia too. You, you have to put Bertram up there. Look, I could go on forever. Our sport yeah, is what's a, incredible, What an incredible list of names. People. A, incredible list yeah, of names that you know, some you competed against, with, you commentate on. Um, it's been a it's been a wonderful um, you know career today and long may it continue. Barcelona in a couple of years calls no doubt Peter angling there. Sounds like yeah, Grant well, Elliott wants to come with you. I don't know if you need a little researcher. Happy to get in a boat <laughs> with you anytime, Peter. <laughs> Louis Vuitton. No, no. Do we get one of those handbags afterwards as well? <laughs> you might get clipped round the ear with it. <laughs> um, look. Talking, talking to the, you know, to adults and the team at the moment about uh, Barcelona. Love to be there, and uh, I'd love to have one more go, you know, with Olympics. One more. And, um, uh, Olympics and America's Cup. It's, uh, I'm very passionate about it. I, and I, I think what it, what it stands for is what I really love. Um, and for a country like New Zealand to have achieved in the America's Cup. Um, theatre, what, what New Zealand has achieved. I don't know if Kiwis really get, get their head around it in terms because it, it's brutal. It's a brutal game and you're up against some of the best industrial countries in the world, you know, the US, the Brits, um, the, the Italians um, and, and the French when they're in there and, and, and I've already talked about the Swiss, you know, with their, their ability and then you, you, you put Formula One over the top of that of their contribution to those European teams. The next America's Cup will be fantastic. Yeah, it will be. Uh, Peter, it's been absolutely fascinating, and we are uh, extremely lucky to have you on the show. I love it when you said no egos in a team. You leave that at the door. Always put the team first. You know, Everyone in the team is, is important, and to, to hear about community and how important that's been for you to actually get to, to the level you have. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, we could speak to you for hours. And um, listen, I'll, I'll send you my number so that you can text me when we're leaving for Barcelona. And I will. Um, I, I wish I could show you the, the pictures that Daniel McCarty has been drawing. Good mind mapping. He's been drawing on his uh, pages uh, images boat. of boats. Boat. Beautiful. Absolutely. I want to go sailing. I want to go sailing. 
Peter, it's a treat. Thank you so much. All the best. My, Thanks, Peter. My pleasure, guys. Have a good one. Cheers. We will. Peter Lister, our Saturday session legend.